God bless you all this morning as we celebrate Sabbath with each other. I would like to read a short portion of scripture this morning, and then we'll start with a prayer before we go into the meditation. A, uh, three verses this morning that will motivate our theme. If you would choose to turn with me first to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 27, I'm going to read two verses, I uh, get yeah, three verses from this chapter and then parts of two verses from the book of Hebrews. Acts 27, beginning with verse 27. Now we're right in the middle of a narrative of the last events in the Acts of the Apostles and we find ourselves in the middle of a storm. Acts 27, beginning with verse 27. And when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And they sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then, fearing lest they should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. I also would like to read parts of Hebrews chapter 6. This is a rather complicated argument that Paul is presenting here, and so I've picked out certain parts in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 to get the full narrative that he's discussing. That we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The Lord bless the reading of the word. It's all right, so pray to our God. Father, Lord God, we just want to take time, just take the moment just to praise you for you are good. You are good to us and you love us and we praise you for that. We just want to pray for a blessing on the message for, Lord God, your word is powerful and your Lord, Lord God, your word has strength and it can really just rip us apart if we allow it to. And we just pray that it would this morning. We pray that you impress Brother Scott, that he would be able to just focus wholly on allowing your spirit to move within him and throughout us, Lord God. We pray that you would just bless the message. And we just want to pray also for the day, Lord God, that today would be a day for you. Not just today, every day, Lord God. We, we say that as a cliche, but I know we have the intent, Lord God, as believers, as your children, to serve you and to love you. We just pray that you'd help us to do that today, whether it be through the word that's being preached or through the songs, Lord God, they're all for you. We just want to pray for a blessing on them. We want to pray for each and every one collectively. Each of one here today, Lord God, has, I'm certain, a need, a desire, something to be filled, maybe a distance, a separation from you that needs to be drawn closer. We just pray for a blessing on each of them. And there's so many different churches, so many different people represented, but 
It's one common thread, Lord God. It's your spirit that moves within us. We just pray for um, a peace, a calmness, an understanding that you are in control despite the storm, despite the whatever disaster, whatever way we think we're going through that would be back closer to you. We just want to pray and ask these things. Your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Before I continue to the main message, I just would like to have your attention focused once again in Acts 27 on the 29th verse, the last verse that we read uh, with each other. And uh, <clears throat> I would just like to paraphrase that verse in um, a slightly more modern language. They, they, were, they didn't know where they were. They had worries that the depth of the water was working against them. they were afraid that they were going to come up against the rocks. They desperately dropped four anchors to hold them someplace safe, and they prayed for daylight. In the middle of the storm, they prayed for daylight. You know what? I love, love living in the Great Lakes. You know, I was not raised in the Great Lakes. I was raised as a city slicker. You know, but now I live in the Great Lakes and I absolutely love it. In spite of the minor inconveniences of weather and lake effect snow and that kind of thing, I absolutely love living in the Great Lakes. As most of us here do. Counted a huge blessing and frequently thank God for the place that I am. I, I just love it. And you know, it's interesting in life how we, we somehow divide things up. You know, even in our church circles here, we sometimes talk about East and West, you know, the churches in the East, the brothers in the West. We, we take national borders and we talk about north and the Canadians and we talk about the Americans. I have to tell you that in my mind's eye, I wish that we would just group our thinking around something natural like lakes, you know, when instead of having something like OMAC, you know, we would have something like the Great Lakes Conference, just because. Because I love the Great Lakes. Whenever I think of coming to Toronto, you know, our minds play funny games on us sometimes. A word or a smell or sometimes a song triggers something in our mind's eye that we can't, we can't avoid. It just happens. When I hear the word Toronto, in my mind's eye, I immediately see a map of Lake Ontario. Don't ask me why. I was wondering why that is. When I hear... Toronto, I have a map of Lake Ontario in my mind. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, driving on the QEW, you know, past Burlington Bay and being able to see Toronto off in the distance, but very aware of the shoreline of Lake Ontario in between there and where you are. That, you know, in my technical mind's eye, in my three-dimensional mind's eye, you know, I'm immediately looking this from above as if it were a map. And I see the whole lake. 
Do you know that Toronto and Syracuse are probably the only two apostolic Christian churches that one could travel to by boat? Now, don't take the analogy too far. Of course, you know, if we're going to consider going through the Welland Canal, which is very unnatural, of course, we'd have to add Harrow and Cleveland and Windsor to the mix if we were going to do that. But, of course, you know, they're not near on the same elevation, right? Lake Ontario is uh, quite a bit lower. If we're talking about normal, natural ways of travel, one could actually travel from Syracuse to Toronto by boat. But... Um, as every Canadian, as you all know, and as the mariners all know, the farther below Lake Ontario takes in all that Lake Erie can send her. If we were to travel from Syracuse to Ontario in a straight line that is sort of, so I'm going I'm to try to do this as you're looking at it, not as I'm looking at it. Ontario, over Toronto over here in the northeast, and Syracuse, uh, northwest, and Syracuse down here in the southeast, from, say, Oswego, New York. If you were to take a straight line from Syracuse to uh, Toronto, uh, that would be a pretty foolish course to take. A pretty foolish course, because, you know, generally, captains try to avoid the deep waters, and they try to avoid the shoals that might be in, uh, in shallow waters. So there's preferable ways that one goes across large bodies of water. And that would not be a preferable way uh, for one to be able to go. Actually, there have been, uh, I guess the historians estimate, there have been 6,000 shipwrecks on the Great Lakes. That's an awful lot, 6,000. But um, probably a mere 200 in Lake Ontario. So as the lakes go, Ontario, I guess, is one of the safer lakes to have to travel on. And if you would look at the map of all the different shipwrecks on Lake Ontario, you're going to find out that they are not clustered. They are not clustered. They are shipwrecks all over the bottom of the floor of Lake Ontario, pretty even over the whole lake as a result of courses that people have taken on the water, captains have chosen. But one thing is quite clear, if you actually would look at the lake and you ask yourself, well, where are the lighthouses on the lake? You're going to find that there is actually a very preferable way for a captain to be able to set a course across the lake. There are many, many more lighthouses on the south side of the lake than on the north side of the lake. Many more. Now, on the American side, from Oswego, there are two lighthouses in the harbor of Oswego. And then you move over going toward Rochester. It's Sodus Outer, Sodus Point. Once you get to Rochester, Charlotte, Genesee Lighthouse, further on, Braddock Point, Three Mile Point, and then ultimately Fort Niagara. If you're going to hook around the bay, past St. Catharines, Burlington, nine. Nine lighthouses on the Canadian side between St. Catharines and Toronto. Do you know there, there are three lighthouses in Toronto? I was asking Brother Doug this morning 
if we happen to pass by one of them yesterday, which we probably did, but nobody really notices it. But I guess the most noteworthy one on the island outside of the, uh, the harbor of Toronto called Gibraltar Point is the most prominent lighthouse for one that would sail into the harbor of Toronto. We'd like to use the analogy this morning, this um, sort of parable of being out on the lake to consider some of the aspects of our life of faith. There are four things that I'd like to speak of with the Lord's help. I'd like to speak of safe havens. We'd like to speak of ships that are adrift. We'd like to speak of rescue ships. And we'd like to speak of the lights that are on the shore. Now let's take note of that already right now. On these preferable journeys to get from one place to another, that they are a series of lighthouses. A series of lighthouses, if I count right, which I probably do not, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there are probably something like 18 lighthouses in between Oswego and Toronto. Not one lighthouse that shows the way, a string of lighthouses, sort of like the nautical version of, uh, nautical version of Hansel and Gretel. Right, they're leaving crumbs along the way from one place to the other. The nautical version, of course, the crumbs are the lighthouses that are along the shore away. We're going to speak about that pattern of light and the light of life in being a series of light points along the way. But first about safe havens. There's many a soul in life that finds themselves in the deep waters of life because they have been exiled, perhaps, by choices that they've made in life and simply can't connect with anyone else. Those that are somewhat outcast from general society that effectively find their way into the deep waters, a lonely place to be in the deep waters, largely because of inability to create connections with others that are meaningful. Sometimes waters that, uh, ships that find deep water deliberately do that because of the weight that they have in their holds. So, of course, you know, one of the things that a captain always has to worry about is, is he going to run aground? Does he have enough water under him to be able to get from one place to another, enough draft, without creating some sort of serious accident? On the other hand, on the other hand, if one is out in the deep waters, you know, weather events and other kinds of things are likely to be greater dangers. Rogue waves, gale storms. Did you know that if you would be out in the middle of Lake Ontario, or Lake Erie for that matter, anyone, the weather patterns in the middle of the lake can be very, very different than what they are on the shore. And one can run into things in the middle of the deep waters, completely unexpected, that happen very, very quickly, that can lead to instant peril. And in the case of the Great Lakes, many times something like a rogue single wave that ultimately might catch a vessel by surprise that will create instant panic 
or gale force winds that will rather quickly spring up in the middle of the lake, creating very, very unfavorable conditions. So captains have to find a way that they're going to find a path where it's not too deep and it's not too narrow and not too shallow. And that actually would be the preferred course that they find to get from one place to another. And they try to avoid, whenever possible, having holds that are too heavy laden. Well, the fact of the matter is that some people in life, because of their own choices or other effects in life that are not of their own choices, have holds that are heavy laden upon their vessel. Holds that become, in a sense, chains for them in their life. And the call this morning is to ask every soul whether or not you want to trade your chains, trade your heavy burden that's in your hold for an anchor of your soul. You want to make a fair trade this morning. Jesus is offering a fair trade. Chains for an anchor. It's everyone's choice. You and I must make. It's our choice. I'm talking this morning about an anchor for our soul, not an anchor for our ship. I would just like to make a distinction for you to take my meaning with this. The anchor of our soul is the place that we are going to. In a sort of metaphorical way, the place that we have in our mind's eye that we are anchoring our final destination to. I'm calling that the anchor of our soul. The anchor of your ship is something that might be somewhat different as we encounter the storms of life and so on. But the anchor of our soul is the place that we're heading. And so I want to repeat what the offer is. The offer is to trade the weight of chains for the anchor of your soul. The anchor of our soul, metaphorically, in this picture that I'm painting for you, the anchor of our soul is in a place that we're ultimately headed in our lives of faith. I'm going to call that place the King's Harbor. Our soul's anchor is in that place at the end that I'm calling the King's Harbor. You might call it heaven, of course. That's normally what we call it. But in this analogy that I'm painting, give me a little bit of space here, okay? And we're going to call it the King's Harbor. That's the anchor of our soul. That place for people who walk a life of faith, we always have a keen eye, a very keen eye, on where it is that we're ultimately going. And for those of us that are walking true lives of faith, it's one of these interesting paradoxes that we might have our eye on today, tomorrow, and the week, but at the same time, we have our mind's eye on the King's Harbor. Sort of like, you know, one eye is short vision and one eye is long vision. And at the same time, we got our eye on both of these things, of where we're headed, what we're all about, and what our story and our song is. But we have a clear eye on the King's Harbor. 
We've made a life choice. For those that are in faith, we've made a life choice as to where our destination is. No more will we sail the wide seas. We've made a choice as to where we're going, and there can be no doubt the port that we've chosen to call home. There can be no doubt. But again, it's one of these interesting little paradoxes in faith, two things that appear to be contradictory that are not. We're headed toward a port that we call home. But we've never been there before. But we call it home. That's our home port. That's where we're going. The place that's the King's Harbor. Ships that are adrift. I want to turn our attention right now in the spirit to my brothers and sisters. Ships that are adrift. In this analogy, I'm not considering ships that are adrift to be those that are outside of the circle of faith. In this analogy, ships that are adrift are people that are in lives of faith. We all have times in our life, each one of us, when inadvertently, for many reasons, we might be drifting far from the shore. Now, sometimes, you know, these things come about because we have taken control of the charting of our own course. Or, you know, we've mistakenly believed that the charting of our course is up to us. Sometimes uh, in life, we've been careless about setting our spiritual course. You know, sometimes, uh, this, this can be something as an example where, where we, we've set no course because we found no ministries in life that actually will point us into the place where we are going. We are not active in kingdom work that ultimately, again, has a path that is along the way of where these lighthouses are. For various and sundry reasons, you know, we find ourselves that are adrift from shore. Sometimes, sometimes we inadvertently get caught up in currents of life that are not the currents of our choosing. But we get caught up in currents of life that take us places that we had not intended. We're adrift in that sense. And too far from the shore. And if this pattern keeps up, if the pattern keeps up, eventually the lighthouses will disappear from the horizon. We'll wake up one day and find actually that we're lost at sea. Just like we read about in Acts 27. They thought that they were approaching land, but they were, I, I take this to mean that it was nighttime right then. They thought that they might have been approaching land. And desperately to try to make that decision, you know, dropped, uh, take measurements of what the depth of the water was to try to make a judgment whether or not they happened to be approaching land. We can turn out to those places in life where one day we wake up and actually find that we're lost. Not sure where we are. And there are those times in life for souls that are adrift that we too are in need of a rescue ship 
to come and find us. So on this sea of life is sometimes a mixture of those that are out on the high seas doing the things in life that they want and they wound up being in peril and they wound up being lost. And on this sea of life is also sometimes those who actually have chosen the harbor that they would like to go to. But as a result of the circumstances in life, they too find themselves in peril. And a mixture of those everywhere. And if you want to take a map of where the shipwrecks are, and as I've mentioned, the shipwrecks have happened all over the place on the lake, evenly distributed throughout the lake. In this analogy, those that are in peril might be in many different places. And oddly enough, might even be a ship that is quite close to us in peril, but they don't recognize it, and we don't recognize it. Rescue ships. Well, there's one special rescue ship in this analogy, and this speaks to the loving hand of our Father. Our Heavenly Father from the King's Harbor is not content, is not content to allow us to find our own way on life's sea. He's not content to leave us alone. Our Heavenly Father has called upon His Son to become the captain of a rescue ship. And he sent his son on a rescue ship out on the perils of this water to find seamen and sea women who are in trouble. And to find those that are adrift on life seas. Again, brothers and sisters, I want you to think for a moment about this rescue ship that maybe is out there for you, that might just be out there for you. Don't think that although you're in a life of faith that you don't need a captain to sometimes find you in his rescue ship. There are times that we in life need to be protected from things, seas and storms and perils that we don't even see. And by God's good grace and by the loving heart of the captain, he actually comes and rescues us in points in time from perils that are unknown to you and me. And you know what the thing is? You might have been rescued in the nick of time from imminent disaster and you will never know it in your life. Unless one has the spiritual eyes to really see how God rescued me. Uh, last evening, uh, Brother Fred Weinhardt, don't think he's here this morning. Uh, Brother Fred was telling me about a life story where God rescued him from something. Something that he really thought was good something that he was really praying was going to happen that didn't happen, and he found that in hindsight, 
that he had been rescued from a very, very bad business situation and didn't even know it. Brothers and sisters, one point here. If you find yourselves in peril, don't be too proud. Don't be too proud to call out to the captain to come and rescue you. If you know that you're drowning. One of the worst things that can happen is for people to really be in a kind of peril in their Christian life. And they don't realize, actually, the strait that they are in. They don't realize how desperate the things in life have become. And by the time they realize it, things tend to snowball completely out of control. Where, as it were, they're, they're gulping water. They can't keep their head on the surface anymore. And they are just in absolute need of rescue for the captain to reach down and again save their souls. Don't be too proud to take a very good view of the waters that you're in and call out to the captain when you're in need. Because he is out there on the rescue ship. Out there. To throw out the lifeline for all who need it. In faith. Or for those who have yet to find a saving faith. The lights of shore. In this analogy, the lights of shore are meant for us as what they presently call navigational beacons. Something that tells us where we are in more ways than one. If we're in a very good place, on a very good course, we hopefully will have more than one lighthouse in our view. One can have multiple lighthouses in their view, one directly offshore, one that lies in the path ahead, perhaps even one that lies astern of where we've come from. And it gives us a real good orientation, not only how close we are to land, but where the course is ultimately heading. In this analogy, Jesus' message for mankind is for us the navigational beacon. Are there other analogies where you might view Jesus himself as being the lighthouse? I could paint a whole different story that would be based on that. But for this analogy, the lighthouses are not Jesus himself. Jesus is the captain on the rescue ship that's on the water. Here, the lighthouses are the message that he has laid out for mankind that is leading the way from where we are to where we have placed the anchors of our soul in the King's Harbor. It leads us to the shore that one day with great gladness of heart, when you and I get approaching that place, we will see the shores upon which the King's Harbor lies. And what a day that is going to be. What a day that is going to be when each of us who are in faith are going to be called home. 
And hopefully we have this kind of view that there's nothing on the waters anymore that really attracts our attention. Our real motivations and the passions that we have in life are for where the end is going to be on the King's Harbor shore. One thing that we can be sure of in finding the right course of our lives that are always at a good reasonable distance to the lighthouses that are along the way. We will never wake up one day and not know where we are. We will always be in the Father's control. And we will always know that we are safe in waters that are neither too shallow nor too deep, but are the waters that lead in the right course to the path that we're going. There are times, closing thought, there are times where some of us in special ways might be called upon in special ways and in special situations to head out into somewhat deeper water. The captain on the rescue ship is not the only one that is seeking out those that are in peril. Sometimes, my brother and my sister, we might be the one that is somewhat called upon to leave the absolute safe waters, to venture out into places that are a little bit deeper in order to find those that are in peril. Now, mind you, this is not for the novice seaman. This is not just, you know, with the kind of, of exuberance that we actually think that we're going to go places and, and try to save souls and we're going to go play. You know what? You need to have the right kind of vessel and the right kind of experience, the right kind of maturity, the right kind of focus, you know, to be that kind of thing in our modern day and age that might be something like a Coast Guard diver that is willing to jump from some helicopter into the middle of an ocean someplace and feel secure enough that even in gale force winds, this guy knows how to swim. This guy knows how to provide for himself. This guy knows, even in swimming in that kind of place, he actually knows how to find somebody that is tormented and somebody that is going to take him down. And he knows just how to handle that soul in peril to be able to swim with them to a place that's going to be safer. That's not for everyone. But you know what? It is for some. So don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating here a place where we always find ourselves sometimes always in a safe harbor in life. You know the adage, right? Ships in a harbor are safe. But that's not what ships are made for. We're made to go from one place to another. And there are times, perhaps, that we actually might be called within the guidance of the Word and the Holy Spirit to venture to places where we might be able to also find seamen that are in peril and throw out a lifeline. 
Our way to the King's Harbor is not a way of comfort and safety. It is a way of security. It is a way of, 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 a, of a deliberate kind of path where one is always in the Father's control, but with the Father charting the course. We have to ask ourselves, I guess, where are we going and why? What are the things that really matter in my life? Where is the anchor of your soul? Are you willing to trade in the chains for the anchor? Is the anchor of your soul in that haven of rest where you'll roam no more? You know where you're going. You're sure of the end. And also sure of the Father's safekeeping between here and there. I pray this morning for the rescue ship. I pray for those that are in a place that need to be saved. Brother or sister or lost soul alike. I pray for the strength of the captain of the rescue ship to be able to reach down and yet save souls. It's all about the anchor. It's all about the anchor and where your mind's eye ultimately is. Let's all decide with each other. There can be no doubt where we are going and why. And what my purpose is in this day and in this week and in this month and in this year and in the context of my life, I know exactly where it's going and why. And we will not miss the mark. We will not miss the lighthouse. We will not miss the lights of life that show us where to go. Because it's our everything and because it's our all in all. The Lord bless his word to us this morning.